Hey! Welcome to the Hurley Edition. Episode number, I don't know, 9, 10, 20, 30. Not really into counting, but welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Welcome to another edition. We're back. That's two in two weeks if you're keeping track at home, which is a, a weekly average. That's what I hope to do here. So I uh, hope you like this one. I, I've wanted, I, I knew this guy a little bit. We've, we've talked uh, Bruins games from, from time to time. We've had our conversations, but I feel like if you don't know who Rear Admiral is, he writes for Barstool Sports. He covers the Bruins. He's got a, a podcast that is really popular. It's called Spittin' Chicklets. It fills a a market in, in the hockey market that there's a void in the marketplace for for good hockey talk. So they have good guests. They 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 talk hockey like real hockey people, not like uh, polished people. We'll get into that in the interview. Um, but uh, he's he's someone who I feel like is very Boston. I mean, you can tell by the way he talks. But he's someone who's you could place him in any era in Boston from from the '50s on to now, and, and he'd fit right in. And I I just I'm always interested by him. So I was hoping to get to talk to him for a little bit longer. Unfortunately, I did, and. I was smart enough to hit record when we talked, and so that means we can now listen to it. So why waste any more time? Here is Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. Rear Admiral, Barstool Sports legend, all, all-time Hall of Famer, I believe. Wow. I uh, I like to do a lot of prep before these interviews. I like to do a lot of background research. You are you are a man of mystery. You are the unpreppable guest. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that by design? Not much on, about me on the internet. Uh, yeah, it is a little bit by design. You know, I started writing for Barstool, geez, ten years ago. Oh my god, that long. Um, you know, you got a. I got an early taste of what the internet is like, and I think it's gotten much creepier since then. And this isn't specific to Barstool readers; just in general, the internet. Uh, yeah, I definitely early on kept my name out, uh, kept my name uh, out of there. That's why I didn't opt to go into Rear Admiral. Dave, you like my sample blog, and that was my comment, the name, so he used it. I didn't even get the option oh, there you go. to use my, my real name, so that just kind of stuck then, so it, it kind of gave me that built-in anonymity, but uh, I definitely kept the low profile, just not that I have any dirt out there or anything. I mean, you can still get my real name pretty easy, but I just, uh, yeah, I, I just know what people like, and they could start digging stuff up. I'm probably a little bit paranoid, too, uh, but then when the podcast started, I, I definitely kind of pulled back that curtain a little bit, and you know, showed my face a little more. Um, so I, I, you know, there's. But going back to the original point, yeah, there's not a lot of information you can find about me with, with Google. What's it? What's it like being mostly known as an internet screen name, basically, when you walk around and someone recognizes you and, and calls you a screen name? Um, it's pretty honestly, it's probably just the same as your real name because it's. I think it's the same effect. Really, people recognize you, you know, because they've seen you, and they're just going to call you what, what, whether they know your real name or. Your fake name or your pen name, as I like to say. Um, so yeah, it, it's. I don't think it really matters too too much. It's. Uh, it's. They're gonna you know come over and say hello, and people are generally great. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like when I was down, <clears throat> excuse me, down Boston headquarters in March. Now you're in New York City, who you know they pride themselves on not recognizing anybody there because there's so many famous people that walk around and you it's nonchalant people ignore them and we were one by in the west village and there just must have been a lot of Boston fans in there and i was standing with, with trent and it felt like standing next to like paul mccartney like 40 <laughs> years 50 years ago it was like jesus this is like crazy and uh you know the the people are great they just want to you know like you see someone you you watch or do something you want to tell them you do good but there's always like the you know and it's less than one percent there's always that like one guy who has a little had a little too much to drink and you know, you're nice to me, you talk, and you walk away. I hate even like saying this because you feel like you know he's mad or you know, jealous. Well, or... But you don't. But you don't even want to say, "All right, buddy, I'm gonna like." You just kind of go, and then all of a sudden, he's there, like behind you, and he's like trying to get in the conversation again. And then you know, you try to. You don't even say nothing because you don't want to be that a hole. And then like ten minutes later, he's doing it again. It's like, oh man, it's like you know, but yeah. That's, price that's rare. It, well, dude, it's it's funny, dude. It's like it's like one guy, and it's like, and it does give you a very ta- small taste of like, what about you know, what if you're just trying to go out to dinner and. You know, and this this is times a hundred or a thousand, right. man. It, it's like um, it, so that's why you know, careful what you wish for, you know. Right. So I had I had Carabas on the podcast, who I think is the new the new era of Barstool, the the new you know headquarters in New York, corporate headquarters, videos, all that stuff. You've been there, like you just said, ten years, right? Yeah. So what uh, what's it been like? Because the Barstool empire to me is so fascinating to grow. Because to me, I mean, it was a website. I'd go to it, you know, read some stuff, laugh a little bit, and then like that was that. And now it's like it's like a culture change. It's like 
And then the best way I could describe it is like when I was a kid, MTV was like the culture. Like you, you what MTV was thought was cool, you thought was cool. Maybe that's what it is with kids these days. But what is it from your perspective? Like what, how is Barstool as big as it is? It's wild, man. I never would have foresaw it to be a, at the level it is right now. Um, like you said, I was right when it was just the local Boston site. And, you know, I, I was doing, having fun with it. Uh, they've gone to New York. Um, it hasn't really changed what I do. I mean, Dave's kind of put me in this Bruins box and, you know, hockey box, and that's fun. I have fun in my little play box. Uh, I wish I could do more. I've asked to do more. Um, just wasn't the cards. I mean, you know, and it's, it can be frustrating when you have the skills that are perfect for a place. You know it. You've been right in there. You do all this stuff. And, the, you know, the guy just doesn't want you. I mean, right. it sucks. I mean, he doesn't want you for other things. So, but it's also like, all right, I'm not going to take my ball and go home. I still have a hell of a forum here. Like, you know, like people always say, oh, you should get your own site. And I'm like, what? And have 200 people read it right. if I'm lucky? Or I can still write it Boston and it goes out to the whole planet and everyone sees it, whether they're reading it or not. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's been wild seeing it, it like get to this level. Um, you know, especially, you know, the podcast was huge for me because every summer, like, you know, like, oh, I, I would struggle with, like, hi, right, do I want to do this again? You know, it's it's not that it's torture. I mean, you know, writing a, a blog for a team you like, but, you know, it's... Um, it's a long season. It's, and it's a long season. It's not And it's not my... My main job. I mean, I yeah. think people think that's my job. It's not at all. It's a. It's basically a hobby. You There's know a lot I mean? of uh, a lot of Bruins Senators and Bruins Panthers games to go through there. That right. Game. Exactly. Right. So it's it's you know I I um I haven't really changed what I do. I guess I mean the podcast has raised the profile and it's allowed us to make a couple bucks as well. Um, but yeah, I mean I've I always kind of wanted to do more at Boston and I like I said I was kind of putting this box. So as far as like Harabis, like Jared is how how I kind of foresaw what I could have done. I love Jared. I love what he does. I I you know he's kind of like a younger version. I think if I, if I was his age when yeah. Boston came around, I might have had a better opportunity. But I think because I was a little older, Dave saw me as a little older. You know, and obviously the site's going to skew young. I know my age doesn't, didn't help me in that regard. But but I, I mean I love what Jared's done. I I wish you know I I wish I could have done that. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm not saying I'm jealous of him, but you know, he he's done an unbelievable job with it. Right. But you know, I, I, again, it's timing. I mean, I I graduated college and newspapers were dying. No one no one knew it yet, you know, because yeah. I majored in it. I thought there were going to be ample jobs there. So then, like anybody at that time, you're just trying to glom onto something like a monkey in the jungle, trying to grab whatever vine you can hang on to. And right, you know, you just got to make do. But it's the media industries, sports media. It's, I mean, you know, you it's it's it's, it's insane, man. You the it's I, tough. The idea that you're going to graduate college now and and find a job that's going to give you a, a a living wage, benefits. Uh, all the accoutrements yeah. you right. expect from a job, none, not none of it. I mean, people out there, they uh, uh, freelancing, writing for six different sites, and this, and they still struggle, right. and they still don't have insurance. And so it's like, you know, man, I, I mean, go for your dreams, like, but like, you know, be be careful. I mean, yeah. have a fallback because it's uh, it, it's tough to make it. It's and yeah. it's not always about talent, as we see. Uh, talent helps, but. You know, it's about who you know a lot of circumstance, times, you know? timing, all that. A- exactly. I mean, I, I love what I do, but I always think back, like, man, I, man, I should have just majored in finance. You got a nice job in, in a suit every day in the city and, and had my my every, my paycheck set for the rest of my life. Yeah. But, so I, I graduated in 08, and at that point, newspapers were really dying. I got my first crack at sports writing, covering high school football, high school soccer, girls soccer. I covered a field hockey game, high school hockey for 40 bucks a story. So I was making on a good week like 80 bucks, which no big deal. I don't want to, you know, know, show off my money around here. (laughs) But uh, what was your start in in writing? Because you have that journalism background at UMass. Actually, North Adams. That's all right. There was we, we're like sister. They're like oh, sister. Oh, I thought you schools. went to UMass. No, I went to North Adams. So oh. you going to kick me out now? <laughs> no, no. I, 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 uh, you're the man that I can't prep for, and the one thing I thought I knew was was trash. Yeah, no, no. I went to North Adams. It's funny, man. I never the the longest I ever wrote before I went to college was uh, about a three to four page history of the Rolling Stones paper in high school. I didn't know I could write. It wasn't something I I did as a hobby. I didn't have a journal. I didn't nothing like that. And like my second. A third semester, one of my roommates, who was at the time a co-editor of the paper, he said, I'm going to make you the next editor of the paper. At the time, I was an intro to journalism. I wasn't even thinking anything like that. And I don't know if he just like was doing it for like Machiavellian purposes to like make sure the paper would be all right, or he saw something in me or whatever. So I kind of fell into it. I, I was undeclared major. I started doing, in, you know, uh, basically new stuff for the paper. And then I was a sophomore running the school paper. It was kind of like, wow, this this isn't something I foresaw, and I did like it. I I, I love the power, man. I'm not gonna lie. There's a yeah. not that I mean, at college it wasn't like an ego thing. Like the more girls throwing themselves at the editor of the school paper. Believe me, believe me, you. 
but it was uh, it was incredible like i realized wow like we you know we had s- teacher advises but that's all they were they yeah. were advised at the end of the day i could put whatever i wanted on the front page of that paper it was going to come out and it was going to come out on my on my say and that was like wow this is pretty pretty wild stuff right. i mean yeah you know about the freedom of the press and all that but to actually like have it on that level it was like wow man this is pretty pretty good stuff now i did probably overstay my welcome there cuz i did it co-editor for a, a, a semester then that, i think my ego probably got a, the best of me and there hadn't been a solo editor in a while and i wanted to do that but i was definitely by the end of it i was you know i was 50 hour weeks out. Uh, with no pay yeah well it was good because i would take like one gym class so i mean all my time was at the paper so the paper come out thursday i mean you wouldn't see me up there till like monday or tuesday right. after. It's just a bender all weekend right. but um yeah so i just did the paper up school i didn't do i did a little bit of radio a little bit of tv but mostly the paper it just kind of was na- a natural take and then uh I got out, you know, my advisors all said, hey, I would, you know, advise you strongly to, to, to seek a job in this field. Again, at the time, 97, you know, the internet, <clears throat> we knew it was there, but we didn't know it was basically an undiagnosed malignant tumor in right. the industry that, you know, this is going to kill the industry slowly but surely. And, uh, you know, I got out the Globe and the Herald. I don't even know if I bothered with the Globe, but it wasn't like they weren't laying people off yet, but they certainly weren't adding new people. So I couldn't find anything for years, man. And I wasn't really like writing on the side. I wasn't. I just didn't see myself as a writer because no one told me I was and no one paid me. It's it's kind of weird. I don't know if you can relate to that. But then, yeah. you know, Boston was around for a little while. And then, you know, I was a reader. And then they had a kid doing the Bruins. And I I remember he he kind of ruined himself. He called Glenn Murray a playmaker, which Glenn Murray is a lot of things that he wasn't a playmaker. No. And the, 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 the audience turned against him after that. Wow. So Dave's like, right, we need a new uh, a new Bruins guy. And he just did like they used to do on Barstool, calling all, call, calling all cars. We Send need me a, a writing sample. Exactly. And I sent them a, a sample blog. And, you know, and per, per custom with Dave, I didn't get any reply. But two hours later, there's my blog plastered on Barstool with, you know, by Rear Admiral, which again was my comment, the name, which I used as a joke. So my friends from college would know it was me and not the whole world. Right. So then I was like, oh, wow, this is this is pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, like it just kind of got bigger and bigger. Uh, the, the Bruins uh, were very generous with press passes. They they took care of me, I think, the 2010-2011 season. They, you know, they, they made me a, a you know. A, that was really early on. That was before most blogs probably had press passes and certainly before Barstool had any sort of standing in, you know, traditional media type settings absolutely because at the time there was still quite a few um teams that weren't weren't even acknowledging the internet foolishly but the bruins were were forward thinking i think you know not to toot my own horn i think a lot of guys in the media office like the site or you know like my writing or whatever so and obviously you've learned hockey players are pretty in tune with the website too yes yes very much so um so yeah i just kind of kept you know that kind of get better with the writing like i said i got a media credential which honestly i mean i got to meet such dignified folks like yourself in the right. press box but as you watch f- just watch me pig out on popcorn yeah, candy oh God, on a that, regular basis i'd weigh 400 pounds if i went to every single game up it's there bad. but uh as far as covering the team though or writing about the team I, it didn't really help me going to the press box to be honest with you because i mean hockey players as good a guys as most of them are they don't say anything in the, in the locker room. Oh, yeah. It's just they don't want to upset the apple cart, and I don't, you know, you can't blame them. So, I mean, you, I wasn't writing better blogs because I was going to the locker room. Of right. course, you know, I got it was good access in the press box. That's where you'd find out more stuff, not necessarily about the Bruins, but about the league and right. how the teams is gossiping with former players or other media people. But as far as going to the locker room itself, I, I don't think that really like made the blog any better. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it was good. Ha- it was good to have. It was a good option. You know, you can certainly make new contacts there. Uh, yeah, and then it was just kind of smooth sailing, you know, I just was going along for a couple of years, and then the podcast, me and Ryan Whitney started, what, I think about a year and a half ago, we started independently, we just, I, I didn't know what I was doing to do a podcast, I kind of got a few directions from people, and I don't think anyone with the podcast knows what they're doing with the podcast, speaking as someone with the yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's it's tough technologically, I mean, I'm pretty good at picking stuff up, but, uh, you know, we started independently, and mm-hmm. a few months in, uh, Dave, to my surprise, Dave actually listened to it and liked it. And uh, he's like, "Hey, we want to add you guys to the to the, uh, to the roster of you know Boston's podcast." So we were like, "All right, let you know, let's do it." So we signed a deal at them, um, and that's a little over, I think, a year year and change now, and it's been good. I yeah. mean, you know, we well, we got advertising, as you know, that's yeah. it's a, it's incredible how much the world revolves around fooling people into buying products. It's mm-hmm. it's actually kind of crazy. The day that the day that they eliminate the skip fifteen second button is the day I stop listening to all podcasts. Yeah, it, but it, you know, don't tell the advertisers, I guess. Exactly, it's the it's the way the game is played. So, uh, you know that that allowed us to uh, wet our beaks a little bit. To, yeah. To steal well, I was going to say that's a real asset for Barstool. Like. 
Dave has admitted publicly that his biggest blind spot was podcasts. Like he just wasn't doing it. I think uh, they had one, maybe one audio, you know, regular segment that they do, and then sort of once they got bought, they or you know, once the big business deal happened, they realized there was a whole untapped market. And I think especially there's an untapped market market in hockey. Like yeah. there's just no hockey talk. And I've I've complained to you about this before. Like every single bit of hockey analysis is the same. It's a former player. It's a polished host. It's oh well, that's a good play. It's a good play there. A good play there. A good effort there. Oh, good guy. And it's just nonstop repetitive. And your podcast is so different from that that it's just a completely untapped market for you. I, I would I would imagine Barstool handles it like a pretty valuable asset. Um. Guess you'd have to ask them to yeah. be honest with you. I, I mean, sometimes I'm not gonna, you know, bullshit you. Yeah. You know, we're up in Boston. Sometimes we do feel a little uh, like uh, left out in left field because we're not. And I've been in the office, and if you're not there on the day to day grind, you're not interacting with the people who are, you know, posting stuff on social media or you know, maybe placing the products for the for a podcast somewhere. So I think our geography hurts us, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying we don't get any love. I'm not implying that, but you know, we definitely uh, up up here. We're the only ones that would have. We have no connection. We don't have anybody in the office. So when, you know, when they got guys coming in to shoot pucks on Dave, we don't have anyone there to corral them for right, our interview. And for it's not, 20 minutes. And it's not anyone's job to do it there. We're not yeah. asking anyone to do that. But, you know, that stuff like that, it's where, it's where we get hurt, having the geography. Um, yeah, I mean, frankly, I, I think a promotion could be a little better now, yeah. you know, if you honestly. I mean, yeah, we like we like what we have. But I, I think, yeah, I think a lot more people could know about it. Isn't that um, the nature of hockey, though? It, it is, it's but it's like the uh, the forgotten sport that everyone in it is 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 so into it, and then you go outside of it and talk to anyone else, and you're like, oh, no one no one cares about me. But it's all the more that yeah. Boston Boston should grab onto that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, like, I mean because the people that are passionate about it are as passionate as any fans in any sport. Right. You know, and and it's I mean, yeah, it, it is kind of like we're on a bit of an island because it, it's hockey, and and you know, and this isn't talking about Dave. Dave's not a hockey guy. That's I mean, when I first started at Boston, we used to fight every Friday. Because he would post my blog Friday at four thirty, like the like yeah, like a news. Might dump, as well you know not what post I mean? it exactly. And I was like, Dave, like you got millions of people here who want to read this. It's not me personally; they want to read Bruin stuff, right? And, you know, we would I would bash my head off the wall. Fighting well, I, with I him. know he's a big cycle the puck guy. That's his that's yeah. his go to hockey tweet. Yeah, you got to cycle the puck exactly. So I mean, that's just so I had a you know battle against that, and I think we're still battling against the little. I mean, they got you know serious radio. There's ten hours a week we have a show there. I mean. I haven't been asked once to talk about the podcast, right. to talk NHL, anything. So uh, yeah, sometimes I feel that you know maybe we're being, we're a little underutilized and we could do more, you know. Yeah. But again, that's that's the geogra- geographical thing. We don't have a we don't have a voice in the room for right. us down there. So you know, like someone pointed out yesterday, like they wanted to buy a T-shirt and they click on podcasts to the link on Boston and our podcast isn't listed. And it's like, okay, why is that? You know, why is it? You know, and, and I'm not. To, you know, to not want to diss anybody else, but you know, you you can look at the iTunes rat, right. chats and see where we are, where Stanley others Cup are. Stanley Cup Finals, you guys are up there at top one or two, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's about for you know, a week or longer than yeah, that for a month. We yeah, we did we did get number one a couple times, yeah. and you know, but even it's like you know. You know, we we just feel like, all right, we're doing this good, then we we like it to be a yeah. little reciprocal. You know what I mean? And whatever, it's 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 great to have to have what we have, but yeah, it, it's you know to answer your question yeah. in a lo- the long way. Yeah, I mean, I I wish uh, I wish we got a little bit more love. I guess I would have trouble if I was you know in charge and you came to me with that pitch to say no to you. So just so you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, one thing you do get is you get a ton of guests, a ton of you know big names, hockey names, hockey players. Uh, you had Marty St. Louis on, Jack Eichel, Taylor Hall, uh, dozens of players. Who's been some of your favorites so far? And well, I, I think the challenge, like you said, hockey players don't really say much. You know, they're used to just you know talking in cliches and just saying the same trite things over and over again. But you guys get them to to open up and loosen up. And I think having a former NHL player with you is is a big key to that. But who who's been who's been the most open to you? Who's been the best guest uh, that you've had? Um, Keith Yandel's been the funniest, uh, and it's you know he did come with a lot of, lot of uh, not baggage, but with a, with a reputation of being funny, and that's a tough thing when someone's oh this guy's funny, and you come in and you kind of expect him to be, but he really was. He's kind of like one of those quick little dry Boston guy. Like the, we know millions of guys funny like him. He was he was really good. 
Uh, I thought McAvoy was probably the most impressive. Charlie McAvoy, I mean, because he's twelve years old. Exactly. Yeah. It, like some of the kids, they come in, and my you know my wife would still be like, "These guys playing in the NHL? Like <laughs> she'd be home during a couple of the interviews." Uh, I was really impressed with him because he is. He's nineteen years old. Uh, he's so like just more mature, but just like the way he carries himself. Like it's not like a confidence about him. Not nothing close to cocking. It's just very you know very self confident about himself. But he answered you know. Questions we like to ask guys. We don't. We we tell them. Listen, we're a players friendly podcast. We don't want to get you in trouble. We we don't want you saying anything controversial. We'll ask you a question like volleyball. We'll set you up. Right. You can either spike it or like pass it back. But you know, like well, I asked Hall got in that in that you know headline grab about what he said he would. I forget the adjective. If if Edmonton won, he would I'd be, be choked. And, choked. And I don't think any of us knew what that meant. And it's like headlines over and Edmonton's mad about it. And it was yeah. Like, I, I don't. I don't. I don't follow. But right on. I had. It's funny because I almost like stopped that and like. Uh, what does choked mean? It's like you to know, me, it would be like it would hurt, you know, a little bit that you're not there and you're not a part of it. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, f- I found out that afterward. Yeah, but that that's good for us when yeah. you know. I don't think he said anything controversial, but he's he was the captain at Edmonton. Anything he says is going to make the papers there. So like when that happens, we love it because then it got obviously more exposure for the show and yeah. stuff. Like who who we just have on. Uh, a couple weeks, so actually, like, you know, what VZ said, and they don't have to say anything controversial. They'll just, right. you know, could be bullet points. But anything, you know, if they're writing it up about it, then it, it's good for us. Uh, VZ was interesting, Jimmy VZ. Yeah, you know, because you know, obviously, everyone knows he went to Harvard and he studied Mandarin and all that. But he was he, like, yeah, I don't, I don't really speak all those languages. People say I speak. Yeah, he's he was real, like just introspective. Like he didn't jump right into his answers. You could tell he like thought a little bit. But it's it's funny because uh, you know we don't get like idiots on the show. Because I said if they were idiots, they probably wouldn't come on our show and like you know like you mentioned ryan there definitely it disarms them i think because they're in this unique fraternity of former or current nhl players there's not a lot of guys who who play the nhl so i think when they come in and ryan says what's up there you know if he doesn't know them then they're they're two or three degrees removed because that's the way hockey is everybody knows everyone plus he's so self-deprecating that it just sort of puts everyone at ease probably right and well this is probably tooting tooting my one but i also think the studio slash my living room i honestly think that helps too because Guys just feel more relaxed. Like, it's not like this, where you got all the arms and the computers and the... Exactly. Tech. You're away. You're in a media setting when you're here. And you maybe your approach may be a little bit different, where they come in and we're sitting there drinking beers, maybe, depending on what time of the day it is or not. And, you know, they, like we got Whitney there. They come in. I think there's just a relaxed vibe. And so we do get them kind of disarmed. And, uh, we yeah, we do get some stuff that they don't give elsewhere. And it's great, man. And, and you know, the, the more we can get that, obviously, it's the better for the show, you know? Yeah. So... You know, outside of you guys, I've I've already complained about it. We're only fifteen minutes in. <laughs> Traditional media coverage of hockey, I find it so limited, even locally. Like locally, say you want to read about the game, and you know, Dave hasn't. Well, back in the old days, Dave hasn't put your blog up because it's you know eleven a.m. <laughs> you have so few opinionated voices in the market. Like you have Haggerty, and and I I like I like Haggerty, but he's just one voice. You know, sometimes if you want to read. A Patriots opinion today, you could get 25 of them. Right, right. And it's just so limited in hockey. I understand that the draw isn't the same, but what... Why? Why? What? What is hockey coverage like to you? I mean, what's your opinion on on the way hockey's covered locally, nationally? And, well, I guess we'll leave Canada out because that's a whole different well I, dog. I, I don't know. We can't. I don't think you can leave Canada out when talking about the way the game's covered. Because, well, I mean, it's sort of rabbit up there, right? Uh, well, I guess you know though with Twitter, there's no borders with Twitter. I guess, and yeah. that's, let's face it, most media we get absorbed comes via Twitter, whether it's an article or a yeah. podcast. I mean, more or like say like uh, you know, Bacchus is underperforming. You're really not going to read it. But from too many different people. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you, Mike. I don't read a lot of um, Bruins copy in this town. That's not a diss to the writers, although I, I think some of them are better than others. I, yeah. I think some of them, are, you know, where they are because of their talent level. Um, <laughs> probably subtweeted someone there. Yeah. But I honestly don't read a lot. Uh, I th- I think because I like to make my own mind up. I like to hear some other people's opinions who I respect. But a lot of times I want my opinion to be genuine. And I think sometimes when you read other people's, you can kind of inadvertently. Uh, uh, contaminate your thoughts without right, even no, realizing yeah, totally. you're doing that. Um, so, like, I really don't read a lot. I mean, and frankly, there's you know, there's some guys that really I just don't think there's a lot worth reading in the town. I mean, the the Herald guys, Conroy and Harris, they're they're great. They're very old school journalists. They pretty straightforward, they, exactly. But but the thing is, I I haven't bought the Herald in five years. Right. I grew up reading the Herald. I had I had the Herald in the, the the first grade. I used to read. No lie, I read it my whole life, and now it's like. 
as it's gotten thinner and of lesser quality, the price has gone up. So mm-hmm. I don't even really read those guys. I don't go online much because the Herald site is, isn't good. Uh, <laughs> it's better the, now. It's better it, now. It has gotten better. Okay. Uh, the Globe, I mean, I'm not a DuPont guy. I don't care for him. I know he doesn't really write about him much. Uh, yeah. Fluid Ocean's out. He does a pretty good job. I don't always agree with him, but he, you know, he, mostly he, straightforward. He's too. pretty straightforward. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, Haggerty, Haggerty's a, a vocal, vo- uh, vocal voice, I guess, with yeah. uh, the redundant. But you know, he's well known for talking about him. But I don't think there's really like a lot of like someone you associate as that much with the Bruins in this yeah. town. I mean, on on like a Patriots or Red Sox level, uh, you know, for Felger, but for you, for you, I mean, it's it's an opportunity, it's a window. I, th- yeah, I mean, I, your your voice is obviously your voice, but I mean, it is. One of few. It, yeah, it is. And last year, um, well, the place across the street, they did bring me in. They right. hired me for the for the Bruins season uh, to do a little bit of writing on the site and, you know, a weekly show. Uh, I don't know if they're bringing me back this year. Probably not. I haven't heard anything. We'll see what happens. But, you know, you do say there's a window, but it's also like well, I've been doing this for a while and yeah. I've been here and my phone hasn't rung. And that's not a complaint. And, it's, you know, I'm, I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm certainly aware of that. But... Uh, you know, I, I think I've established myself already. With, okay, if, if you wanted to bring me on your show or hire me for whatever, you know what you're going to get. I'm, you know, I don't have any agendas. I don't have any favors with the Bruins. I'm just going to tell you what I think. I mean, you don't have to agree or disagree or whatever. But, I mean, yeah, if anyone wanted to bring me in for something, I'm all ears. Like, I used to think, you know, I mean, Mike and Tony, they were great to me yeah. early on. They certainly helped me raise my profile in this town. And the thing is, people say, how come you don't call anymore? And I'd say, well... I think I kind of saw how the sausage was made a little bit, like, and not, you know, it's no, I mean, it's the end. You get used as a caller, like, no matter who you are. Well, that's that's the point. It's that, well, I'm talking, even when I would do studio stuff, like before a Bruins game, when I do, like, at uh, the Grand Canal or whatever, one of those places. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, okay, it, it's. I saw the, the theatrics of it, you know what I mean? And I don't want to, like, throwing anyone on the bus here, but there's a theatrical envel- uh, uh, element involved. And so I just couldn't get mad at at, at, my, at them anymore. You know what I'm saying? I would call because I was genuinely pissed off. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I'd call her if I'd come in. and. But I just found myself not getting mad at them. So I wouldn't have that, like, my blood wouldn't boil. So I got to call these guys instead of straight because I could kind of get it a little. Right. So, I, I mean, I, I like what they do. I wish they... They talk talking on the level they did when they first came to this town because yeah they were great. Um, you know, Ordway was terrible talking Bruins. The guys he brought on local media were terrible. They didn't know what they were talking about. You'd call them out and bitch them out, and they they would disagree with you, or whatever. Like, oh, you're you're wrong. And then you know, Mike and Tony came. It was like, wow, it was like manna from heaven, man. This is great hockey talk. And then obviously they've kind of changed their approach a little more to yeah. keep the calls coming, whatever, so to speak. Uh, so I don't think we get the same. They're on the same level, but they kind of showed us with like how good they can be. And yeah. I think they're not that good anymore. And guys like us know it's like, come on, man, you guys were great at this. And now it just feels a little too trolly when we know you're capable of better. So, you know, that's probably the best talk we get in this town as, as far as blowing yeah. stuff as those guys. I called them out on that recently that when they were actually a top three team in the league for three years, they did nothing but complain. And yeah. now that they're, you know, a mediocre Eastern Conference team, it's like, oh, well, they made the playoffs. Clap, clap, clap. But yeah. I, uh, I mean, I do remember when you used to call in and I mean, th- those were, those were, those were glory days, really. I mean, it was short-lived. I think we all thought it would last longer, but from 2010 there to 2013, it was like those those Bruins were probably the best Bruins of my lifetime. I don't know about yours. Um, well, you're you know conscious yeah, I mean, lifetime. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. No, they were. That's a good point. No one's ever really mentioned that before. They would definitely challenge the late '70s lunch PLAC crew. But yeah, they may have been the the best team this town is I've like I've seen like you said consciously yeah. watch watch play. You don't and, run into the Blackhawks buzzsaw. You got two championships in two in three years. I mean, yeah. that's that's. Well, you call a timeout after that first goal. I mean, there's a lot of ifs <laughs> we can get into. I know, God. Uh, but yeah, there was it was awesome time, and and I think that showed it re, well reminded people how much this is a hockey town because you know the Bruins ran this town when they were that good. I mean, every everyone stopped everything and watched what they would watch watch the Bruins game, playoff games, whatever. But and now, you know, they're back to kind of not also ran status, but, you know, they're in danger. Like, the, you know, I didn't think Pasta was ever going to go anywhere else despite, you know, what people are claiming on Twitter. Yeah. But if for some reason they screwed that up, man, like that, that would have been like unrecoverable right now. I mean, the Pats are obviously number one. The Sox are always top two. I mean, it's just Boston. It's yeah. the Red Sox. It's tough to say they're the third sport. I mean, the, the Celtics, Celtics might might have a little more juice this year. They, I think they might, but you know, but where's that leave the Bruins? Yeah. Now, now they're four on a good day. So where they were probably close to two, maybe not two in that run, but they were they were. I mean, they were as big as any team. You could talk about the Bruins for four hours on the radio. Now you can't get a segment in sometimes. So yeah, and it's 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 
It's too bad. Yeah, and and it's not that they've fallen that much. I think that just the other team. I mean, the Pats are con- contenders every year. The Celts are contenders. The Sox are contenders. So, you know, when the when they slip even a little bit, it's it's noticeable. Yeah. And, and they do slip. Um, another thing about hockey media. This this comment it really came right across. It was it 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 chapped my buttocks. It was uh, Mister <laughs> Mister Bettman made oh. a comment recently that uh, the NHL has been traditionally underserved underserved by traditional media. And I mean, this is the first thing I thought was you took two full seasons away from the world and you want to talk about being underserved by the media. And then, you know, just recently today, they're talking about the new enforcement of of face-off rules. Guys can't have their toes over the line or else they're going to get thrown out. Between that, the offsides reviews in the the Stanley Cup final, taking a goal off the board and changing the whole series, really. Cost me five grand. That PK goal, non-goal. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that was, so I mean... (laughs) It just seems like a league that can't get out of its own way. And as as someone that that is wholly invested in covering the league, I mean, being a fan of the league, I mean, I'm frustrated myself. But I mean, I imagine you're frustrated as well. Just it's a league that's great, but they just can't quit. Can't put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes, yeah, it, they're easy to criticize for sure. I mean, stuff like you know, Las Vegas has a team this year. You know, you still can't get. The, well, NBC Sports Network and most of the hotel rooms in Vegas. I haven't been there for a little while, but you know this is something they said six years ago. I remember I asked Bettman. That wasn't even a, a journal, a journalism thing. I it was just fans. It's just a guy who goes there, to hotels. There, actually, no, it was uh, the NHL. It was I think in the awards party or pre party. What it was some sort of party. There were actual dork fans like going up to Bettman with like you know these losers. They were getting like pucks and pictures of Bettman signed by Bettman. I mean I don't know if they were selling them or what. I'm like imagine who's asking, buying that. Oh my god, exactly. Who's buying that? Who are you showing that to? So I, I did like this nerdy voice. I'm like hey hey Gary, why don't you know why don't we gotta be able to watch watch games in the hotel in this town? You can't even get them in this hotel room. And he's like oh we'll be taking care of that soon. And it's like that was six years ago and, and they still haven't. No, but it. they're underserved by traditional media. Yeah it, yeah. They they, they definitely... That's the guy who who lost the ESPN contract and went to the Outdoor Life Network. Right. Yeah, he, it's kind of a, a dumb quote uh, for him to say. And I'm not a Bettman fan. I think he maybe probably gets a little bit too much flack. But he's I think he's like Goodell in that sense where he takes the heat for the owners because he doesn't care. He genuinely doesn't care what yeah. people think about him. Uh, I think the, the NHL, though, is easy to pick on sometimes because it's the NHL. So anytime they do have a, a goof up, that's when people are like, oh, look at them. They can't even do, do this right or that right. Uh, I'll tell you though, I, I think they've made tremendous strides. Uh, um, revenues are high, as high as they've ever been. Um, they're gonna in the next couple of years round off at 32 teams wherever they end up. Seattle, Quebec, who knows if teams are gonna move? But that's the ultimate goal to have 32 teams. Um, you know, TV has gotten better. I mean, outdoor light, light, yeah, outdoor yeah. life network. It's come a long become way. Versus, which now has become bought by uh, Comcast slash NBC. So there's, that's been a huge upgrade. Uh, I think things are looking up, man. I, I know what, it's funny. Ironically, people like to pick on Batman for expansion, like you know, because they'll take a picture of the uh, Florida Phoenix. Panthers playing, you know, Phoenix in yeah. March, and there's no one there. And it's like, well, first off, expansion was already undergoing. undergoing that was already going to happen before Batman. The wheels right. are in motion. It just a lot of it happened on his watch, but the stuff that put it in motion already happened. Second of all, it's like well, I shouldn't have mentioned Phoenix because that was a move. No. That was not expansion. That's my fault. Oh, that wasn't no, but they that's a. I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, that's one team. One team that shouldn't be there. But as far as everyone else, man, it's been a success. I think. I mean, look you at know, California. Ex- I mean, it's it's a hockey hotbed now. Kids, kids now are entering the NHL having grown up in California. Exactly. Like, the NHL Network replays the, the day of the show, the day that changed the game. And one of them is the day in 88, I think August of 88, or some summer of 88, Gretzky got traded to yeah. L.A. And that, that got everything going. That brought, you know that was the first time a, 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 hot, a hot city, a warm weather market, whatever you want to call it, had a good hockey team. Yeah. And, and they showed if they're good, you're going to get the fans there. And then Same with Dallas. When Dallas you know, is good, they bang it out. It's it's raucous down there. Yep. Na- I mean, I was Tampa. down in Nashville. Tampa's legit. Tampa's 100% legit. Yep. I, I hate when they get lumped in with Florida because the Panthers are in Miami. It's a, it's probably the worst in sports the, market in the city. And the they're buildings country. up against the swamp. Exactly. It's just society and then no society for 200 miles west. So It's just, yeah, it's a city that doesn't do well anyways. But Tampa's great. they got great fans, huge loyal fan base. They're not going anywhere anytime soon so when people mention them they just don't know what they're talking about Phoenix they got to give up on man like I understand that Winnipeg Jets weren't doing well at the time they had to move but it's that the NHL keeps trying to force it this is one black guy where you are right on where they can get picked on for this because it's not happening, man. No. Like, you know, and, and it's like, like almost twenty years now, or it, it is twenty years. It, it I is. think it's been twenty. Actually, it's funny. I when I had an internship with the North Adams local paper, I drove down to Hartford 
for the, it was the Phoenix Coyotes' very first game as a franchise was in at the mall in Hartford. And uh, it was actually coincidentally the last year that Hartford was going to be in Carolina. Yeah, and oh, um, you in, know in it, Connecticut, in Connecticut, yeah. So it's been it's been twenty years that I said Carolina yeah. in Connecticut. I, I, we knew, I know what you meant, you know. Yeah, no, thanks for translating. Record. But uh, it, yeah, it's been twenty years, over twenty years now, and it's like not only they have they've had they have little on it on ice success. I mean, they had the twenty twelve run that got to the conference finals, but. It's just like they moved, they built that arena out in Glendale. Glendale like, it's like out there, way out there, not not near the city. It's like now you're asking people. I mean, it's like you can get people to a football game there once a week. You can't yeah. get people to a Tuesday night game against the Rangers. Yeah, really. and even even you know with a good team, but you look at someone like San, you know San Fran. They oh, just geez. built their new arena in Santa Clara, and that's like forty miles away. I mean, that's like putting the garden up in Andover. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to just stay home or something and charge for them double for it too. Exactly. So yeah, what the, about the Olympics though? Awful that awful decision by the owners. Um, it's just it's like there's no set number that will tell them that it grows the game or benefits the game. Exactly. But anyone that experienced the shootout against Russia four years ago or three and a half years ago, whatever, th- that was a legitimate hockey moment. Like mm-hmm. it was a national hockey moment, and it was at ten in the morning, and yeah. I think six million people watched. Yeah, and the NHL is saying no. We're not going to shut down. We need we need the Bruins to play the Senators that night. It's just absurd. It is, and you know I, I think it's just short sighted thinking. You have these you know billionaire owners who are thinking about the I don't know however how many many gates they're going to miss you know with two weeks of the league shutdown. Well, they still play them. They played full seasons those years. They just you know condensed them and the, right. Yeah, it's a whole I'm other sorry, issue. The two weeks off, right? Exactly. Yeah. They're still playing the games. They're not. Then I don't know what they're losing. I don't think it's going to slow the momentum down, and yes, they are risking their their you know their assets playing in a, in a game that you know what they're not being paid for by the owners. But like you said, they care more. The players care more about. It. I mean, they care about winning a gold medal. I mean, Bergeron got hurt winning a gold medal. I don't think he regrets it. Not at all. And the, well, the, of course, the players are a thousand percent for it. But it's like these guys like aren't thinking long term. It's like you can you can show this game, showcase this game to, I mean, how many billion people are in Asia that are going to be watching the Olympics? Right. I mean, billions of people who have barely been exposed to this game. Yeah. And you look what it did for the for the basketball ninety two Dream Team. Of course, I know that was in Asia, but point being, yeah. the world was exposed to the sport and these superstars they never saw. And yeah. I mean, and kudos to the NBA for the marketing. I mean, they marketed the individual stars and they've been brilliant about yeah. it. And that's why they've gotten so popular. And the NHL could. They might not get the same effect, but you might get ten percent of that, and that's going to be more money than you're going to potentially lose during the two weeks. But I don't even know what the what they're complaining about. The owners, Plus, it's, it's just like so, so short sighted. U.S. Russia, U.S. Canada, those will be more watched than anything that happens in the regular season. I mean, look at the Winter Classic ratings year after year; they just keep going down. No one cares. The the, the, yeah. the novelty is worn off, but. I mean, it's it's you and I are still going to watch whoever goes to the Olympics to play hockey, but they don't care about the hockey. Shouldn't care about you and me. They should care about you know that guy walking by right there that it doesn't watch hockey. That's right. who you get lumped in with these things, and it's that that one really bugs me as a hockey fan that wants hockey to be bigger. Go to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, it drives me nuts. It's the owners. It's the owners, and like you know, I mean, it, it, Batman, he, he's like. The spokesman. It's not like yeah. he can oh, yeah. tell the players. He's just he's gonna do whatever. The owners the owners hired him to do the the dirty work. But yeah, it sucks, man. It'd be nothing greater than having you know the best players in the world at the Olympics. I don't care what time the games are on. Like I'll stay up late, DVR, do whatever. But yeah, missed opportunity big time. Yep. All right, I got a few quick hitters here. Sure. We're, we're we're going. I don't know if you got to get out of here. I'm in point. no hurry whatsoever, right. buddy. I'll, I could talk to talk to years off a statue. So another another uh, aspect of your your public life is as a social media man. Uh-huh. You're pretty big on it. You've always been. As long as I've been on Twitter, I think I've known you on Twitter. Uh, what would you say? Because you seem you're not someone who gets down and dirty and is going to get in a big fight with someone, but you are someone that's. Uh, I don't know if it's like a Charlestown attitude that you got there that you're just going to, you're not going to, you know, you can tell someone to piss off if you need to, but you're not going to get too involved in it, but you, uh, you're on, you're on quite a bit. So what's your social media, I don't want to say strategy, that sounds like a brand thing, but you know, what's your approach to, to jumping on Twitter? Um, you know, obviously, much more than Bruins. Like, I, I, I love the people stick to sports crowds. Like, to me, when you say that, you're just kind of revealing how much of an idiot you are because yeah. you either can't come out with a logical argument, or you just, you, you, you just want to hear people in your feed that only like what you like, and that's just like, shut up, man. Like, like the, you know what I mean, the first mark of intelligence is being able to hold two opposite ideas at the same right, time. Right. Right. And you know, we don't. You think I follow? I, I agree with everyone I follow. No, not at all. Uh, my approach is just whatever. I just say whatever. I don't try to be I don't try to be outrageous I mean 
Uh, I just say whatever, and if people come at me, I'm going to come back at them. I'm going to clap back at them. Yeah, right. and it probably is a little bit of the city kid that, you know, chipping your shoulder type thing. There's, that's definitely a part of it. Uh, a lot of it is I, I'm not. I don't troll. I, I don't do 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 stuff just to get attention, just to like to do it and hope I get you know go viral or anything. I'm actually I I'm kind of of the thought I'd rather like. Some jokes only like if only ten percent of the people get them, I'm fine with that. Right. If it's like that good of a joke, then get put a joke out that ninety nine percent of the people get just because it's hacky. Now, believe me, I'm capable of a hacky joke as oh, much yeah. as anybody. It's like I made one about Rex Ryan last week, straight out of the Bush Belt. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's what the platform is for. It, exactly. Really. Bad and, jokes. And, and it's and I kept, you know someone said, oh, you're better than that, and I'm like, well, thank you. I'm really not, <laughs> but I appreciate the sentiment. I just proved that I'm not better it, than it, that. Exactly. But um, yeah, I don't really have like an approach. I just kind of you know i'm a big movie guy as you see i mean i I'd probably tweet less about hockey than probably movies yeah. at all of course this time yeah, there's no hockey going on but hbo send you any checks for all that promo you do yet no they want to work on that one any channel i know them at roku any channels that I, I like i just like late night i know there's a lot of night owls out there i'll say hey a b and c is on the tv but yeah i mean i prefer not to have pissing matches with people but there's always going to be someone right you know challenges challenges you and i try to, i i come prepared man like yeah. if it's a a link is like some of the other. Oh, that, that site's terrible. Well, well what, what site is it? You know, it's a. It was a media critic, uh, a media critic site. Yeah. Oh, what? Because and then I look. I look at the guy's feed, and you know, he's obviously. Yeah. Okay, this guy doesn't like it because he feels politically this way, and it's like, all right, well, explain to me why. And he couldn't tell me why he didn't agree with like the right. site. It's like, all right, man, I, you can tell usually whether it's a legitimate disagreement that you can have a conversation for, or whether it's just someone being an a hole. Yeah, like like yesterday, like. Um, Richard Deitch made uh, a joke about Al Michaels' liberalism scaring viewers. Well, you know, everyone yeah, has yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah, ESPN is failing because of liberal, liberalism. And, and that football, was a tough word to fo- say. Football's failing because of eight, 18 million reasons. Well, yeah. kind of the same thing when everyone says, oh, that's the reason Trump got elected. I mean, how many 19 million reasons? So when he said that uh, Al Michaels, people aren't watching because of Al Michaels' liberalism, liberalism. Maybe and I 10% was like, of people got it. And I, and then I, and I didn't even like reply, I just at replied him. So then I was like, I goes, well, that's the, he's the reason Trump got elected. Obviously not, it's a joke on that whole, that whole meme or whatever. And of course, one bozo jumps in and was like, Oh, suck it. Trump's the king. It's like, dude, you didn't even, you're a dummy. You missed a joke, first of all. It's not even about politics. It's about yeah. people making excuses for things. That was the level of the joke, which which you missed, you dope. And it wasn't like, those are the people I can't stand. They, they, they weren't in the conversation, which, hey, we all do it on Twitter. Yeah. We all, but you jump in and you're a thousand percent wrong, and then you just kind of like make personal attacks after, like, see you later. That's what the mute button's for. Yeah. Half the time it ends up being like, oh, my bad. And then the other half, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Oh, I was thing. joking. No, you got no. you got caught in a lie and you weren't joking. So you mentioned the movie thing, the late night movie thing. What are you first and foremost? Are you a cinephile or an insomniac? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, it's a chicken egg situation. No, there. I'm definitely, um, I'm more of a movie guy. Like I could go to bed earlier some nights. I just, some nights, like I, I, I should note, I, I do have, I'm actually still out of work. As I we talked before, I had a little surgery a while back. I'll be back to work soon, but I have, I have a second shift schedule, so that's why a big reason I'm a night owl is because yeah. I don't work. I'm, I don't have to be up at nine o'clock. I don't work a nine to five shift, so it, it obviously is conducive to staying up till three, four, five o'clock in the morning right. watching you know forty year old movies. But yeah, I'm more of a movie guy than an insomniac because you know, like last night, uh, it wasn't much on. Actually, I did start watching the front. Uh, Ken Burns, Vietnam. Oh, that's eighteen hours ahead of you there, dude. I, well, it's worth it. it. I only watched the first one, man, but. It, it was really like, wow, dude, it just t- tells you so much about history that you you weren't, A, weren't taught when you were younger, B, not everyone teaches it anyways, and C, it's just like, it's eye-opening. It, yeah. it's, just like, it's just like stunning, like how governments worked, you know, back then and even until now. It, it really is kind of like, reminds you of those who don't learn from history, are condemned to repeat it. Well, right. that theme comes up over and over again. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, that that's going. But yeah, last night, if, I'm, if I want to go to bed, I'll just, I'll hit the rack. But, but if a good movie comes on, man, then, you know, and then it's battle. It's a battle royale. <laughs> I hear eighteen hours, and I'm like, can I get the nine hour version? There's something to be said about editing, but yeah. Uh, so, what movie right now? Let's be helpful to the people. What movie is going through the HBO cycle right now that people might not be aware of that they should throw the DVR on? Namely, me. I'm just looking for a movie to DVR. All right. I mean, I'm not even gonna. I don't even want to say the Dark Knight because everyone's seen it. But right. that's one of those movies that it, you know, when it it is on, we 
call it getting Shawshanked. Jerry Thornton, my buddy, came up but, uh, with the name, you know, with the Shawshank Redemption. It's one of those movies you get Shawshanked by. When mm-hmm. it comes on, you get hooked in, you end up keeping it on. But that became like a Twitter verb. Uh, the Dark Knight, obviously, is a fantastic movie. But you do watch it, and, and I know it's a quote-unquote comic book movie. But it's such a brilliant movie, just yeah. the, like the way it was made, the story it tells, like, you know, how deep, how many kind of levels it goes to. Uh, but I'll tell you what, it debuted last week, uh, two weeks ago, um, Hidden Hidden Figures. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one about the, the black mathematician women yeah. at, uh, at, at NASA. Again, there's an, another piece of history that never heard about. And I mean, it never knew about until, you know, a woman wrote a book about it a few years ago and they made a, a, a fantastic movie about it. It's I one mean, of those movies that ends and you're like, you feel like an idiot for only knowing about it through the movie. But yeah, then again, how would you have known about well, it? Exactly. Like, you know, it's like, wow, I, did, I can't believe I didn't know this. And it's like, well, shame on whoever educated me because, you know, you just yeah. weren't told about that stuff. Well, because, you know, like, well, the, the old quote, history is written by the winners. And, you know, a lot of those stories they were they were kept quiet or, or weren't known about. But what right. what I appreciate about the movie, it wasn't like sappy. Like you know, Disney does like kind of anything like race relation type movies. They always have that sappy white person does good moment where they hug someone. And and I was like, please don't have this moment moment in this movie. It'll kind of ruin it, not not spoil it. But they didn't really. They have had that. one, and it's not a spoiler, but it's when he like you know broke the bathroom sign or whatever and said, you know, this isn't just a white white bathroom. Yeah, yeah. But I, it wasn't really over the top. It, it was more realistic. And I think also, well, that was one I wondered, I actually, because it's a, it's a movie, so obviously they're adding, yeah. you know, fictional elements to it. But I did, I was curious if that actually happened because if it did, it would be a great, it'd be a great story. That right. guy knocked down the, the colored woman's restroom sign. But if it just wasn't the movie, it was. It made a good point because this woman had to miss so much hours at work today on such an important mission right. because she couldn't pee down the hall because she was black. I right. mean, it was like the, the first when they did it in the scene, you're like, all right, they're going to make this part of the movie. And it was like, yeah, because it was imperative to show, like, this is what this person has to go through when she's the same employee doing the same job, more important job than a lot of these people. And they stay, they're making her pee a quarter of a mile away or half a mile away or whatever. Right. So, but the movie, it was great. It was this, this sort of history lesson of something we didn't know about, but without having that like you know like that disney kind of sap level that that i was kind of expecting so yeah hidden figures is was a good flick disney i mean i think by for my money i know there's there's a few there's probably a half dozen to choose from but i think disney made the best hockey movie miracle to me is is my favorite hockey movie i don't know where you stand on that one uh, yeah I mean, you got slap shot as a classic you got young blood I, I i just miracle was so i watched miracle probably 20 times i'm all about slap shot um you know i grew up with that one obviously Miracle, it's, you know, the thing is, it's it's a movie, but it, it happened in real life, so it's, like, tough to kind of separate what was, well, obviously, the, the actual event was bigger than the movie. Right. Uh, it is a great movie. I think Kurt, Kurt Russell was phenomenal. I think he probably should have got an Oscar nomination, but, you know, the, the Oscars don't reward, like, Disney movies like that, of right. that type, usually. Uh, he was phenomenal. Uh, it's obviously a movie when it's on, I'll put it on, but I'm just... I'm just positive of Slapshot. I, yeah. I think that there's a lot of realism in Slapshot, and they were actually quite ahead of the curve in some of the stuff about you know ownership leaving for warmer climates and a, a lot of those elements and who really owns a team. There was like the stuff that no one really talked about or thought about in 1977, right. and it was kind of really way, way ahead of the curve. But I, I think there's a lot of uh, realism in Slapshot, too, that you know it's known as you know, the Hansons and being goofs in 70s minor league hockey, but there's quite a bit of realism in yeah. that movie, too. I like that one. Mystery Alaska, I'll add to the list, too. It was a pretty good one. Yeah. Oh, you don't like it? I wasn't crazy about it. And it's, what's funny, too, on Twitter, like, because I am the movie guy. But moments. Is uh, how many people just assume I'm a Mighty Ducks guy. I didn't see the Mighty Ducks for the first time until about three years ago. Yeah. And the reason is simply age. Like, well, it I, was, came out, I was like eight years old when it came out, so right. I obviously saw it. But I don't think if I was 25 at the it, time, I would have seen it. Whoa, whoa, or, whoa, 25. No, well. I wasn't saying you were 25. <laughs> yeah. I, no, but, but that's what it was. Poorly worded insult. It was probably, I was 20, 21 when it came out. It wasn't my wheelhouse. Like, I didn't care to watch a Disney movie about kids. And You're not going to skip playing. a night at the bar to uh, go it, see the uh, Mighty Ducks. Exactly. And, and I waited years. And I finally saw it, and it was like, okay, it's about what I expected. It was, you know, a Disney movie about kids playing hockey and they're drunk driving <laughs> and they're drunk driver coach but so like when you know every time someone makes a reference I don't know if it's Mighty Ducks Mighty Ducks 2 Mighty Ducks 3 I don't right. know I, I I saw the first one it was like okay I, I just to, to say I saw it but I don't have any I because I wasn't a kid I didn't see it as a kid I don't have that that nostalgic uh, um, affinity for right. it that so many kids do you know Iceland bad that's all you need to know. Yeah. Iceland's the bad guys. And that, that's the ironic thing is they have they ever even had an Olympic hockey team? I don't well, think so. Maybe I that's don't... why they picked them. Yeah, probably. Make keep it simple. Yeah. We have, we have no uh, bad relations with Iceland to ruin yeah. in a movie. Not, so yeah. Well, today's what Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you're from Charlestown, right? I am. 
I'm from. I'm originally from Charleston. I do live in South Boston now. I so, made a lateral move across the harbor. And those are two places. I want to talk about the city of Boston because yes. it's undergone a lot of changes, even the past ten years, the last twenty years. It's a different city. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Charlestown's really changed, but South Boston has probably changed the most. The waterfront there, everything there. It's it's a destination that people go to on purpose. That maybe twenty years ago they were maybe avoiding on purpose. Um, what's, what's the, the, the craziest change in this city over the past maybe 15 years? Ooh, the craziest change. Um, or most disappointing. What it, do you miss? Um, I'll tell you what most disappointing is losing all the mom and pop shops, the mom, the, the dive bars, the good little hole in the wall steak joint, steak tip places where you can go in, you can get a, a steak, nice steak tip dinner, and a couple Budweisers, and pay, give it twenty dollars, and you're giving a, more than a thirty percent tip. Like those days are long gone. I yeah. mean, I know that other things change, but yeah, that those are the things that suck the most is losing those places that that were like home to you. You know, like yeah. I said, like mom and pop type stores, dive bars, you know, good little hole in the wall joints. Those are all gone. And I, it's funny, I, I've been out doing a lot of walking lately, and West Broadway is probably the most crazy development I've seen because West Broadway growing up, I mean, it had the, I guess somewhat pejorative name, the lower end. If you live down the west side of Bro- the Salty, it was called the lower end. And if you didn't live in the lower end, it was kind of like lower as if looking down because yeah. literally it is low. But so it was somewhat of a pejorative name. But now you walk it and it's like, I mean, there's million dollar condos at Broadway Station now and you walk down from basically Broadway Station down to up to F Street, and it's like all these new restaurants. And, and believe me, that's better than having a dollar store there or a family shoe store or, you know, all these, you know, like cheap stores that aren't really helping the community at all. You'd much rather have a, a, fr- a, a new Italian restaurant or a Mexican restaurant there for sure. But just like, you know, like Liberty Bell Roast Beef was there for my whole life. Great place to get a roast beef sandwich. That's gone obliterated. Now it's a monstrosity there. And right. it's like, okay, like, when is this enough, man? Right. I, I get it. Well, I get eighty more people that live on the block now. Exactly, and they do give you know they they do make them have parking fall now. They've been doing that for for years, um, but it's just like as a guy who's been here my whole life. When is like when is it too much development? And and I know the city don't care. I mean, they don't care about parking. They haven't since Menino was running things. You know, twenty five years ago, it's just like oh, we're gonna let keep letting people in because it's money. It's more for the tax base. So I think as long as it's profitable, then people don't care. And I'll tell you, man, you mentioned the. C- put like what an abomination that is man like that could have been like the grand jewel of boston they could have like again menino held it hostage for 25 years no one built anything then when walsh came it was like free for all whoever's got wants to build go ahead there was no grand design. There was no grand plan. And if there was ever a place in the city that called for it, you had the space. It was the seaport. It was like, I mean, the only part of it that really looks great is the, the where where well, do they call it Tony C's now? Where, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, down by the water. Yeah, the legal, um, legal. The stake. Uh, the steakhouse. Say it. The name's uh, escaped me. Strega. No, no, they're no not the, there. Uh, the Eagle I Steakhouse. Can, oh my God! It begins with a. Is it with a D? Oh my God! I'm I can shoot think myself. of it. I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. So it's gonna come to me before the. the, the sta- I've been there a million times. Yeah. Oh, Del Frisco's. Okay, there we okay, go. Okay, I knew it would come. Yeah, like you know that area there, like they have the the waterfront yeah, the where people come walk in. by. That's good, but like over between the courthouse and Anthony's Pier Four, it was just like, hey, whoever's got the money, pay it and slap up a, a building that has no like rhyme or reason to anything yeah. near it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not certainly not I am pay over here, but like. There's no like symmetry to anything. It's just ugly. It just looks like like it looks like someone had Legos and just built a a, a neighborhood there. So, and I, that's like five seconds from downtown, and it was such so much space. Yeah, that if there was a plan, it would have been like a castle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, a stadium there would have been the best idea. I know, obviously, the South Boston residents didn't want it, even if it only would have been eight, 12 nights a year for a football stadium. But, I mean, that would have been the perfect thing to put there. Just, I mean, a stadium on the water in Boston would have been lovely to have. Yeah. But, but yeah, right now, it's just like, I don't know, man. It just doesn't look good. It just, as long as you have the money to build, then then they're building up. And, you know, as a, as a middle-class guy, a guy who, you know, grew up son of a firefighter, you know, didn't certainly wasn't rich growing up, you know, you're seeing it, it's becoming like Manhattan and not in a good way where it's just the haves and the have-nots. You're just having a city of, you know, people who make a lot of money and people who, who can't afford to live with alongside those people. And, you know, people like myself who are kind of, like, in the middle and, you know, not barely getting by, but, like, you know, what, you know, me and my wife may combine, like, 20 years ago, we would be comfortable. And right. now it's like, okay, you know, we certainly like get by. We have a nice house in the city that the value keeps going up, which is great. But it's also like, you know, you feel like you're getting squeezed out, man. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. 
you know, I mean, you can only the city can only do so much against market forces. You can build affordable units, and and that's not lower income housing. That's people who like don't make over sixty grand a year. Like my wife, like our first condo. Well, before we were dating, I slid it slid it in there with a property owning dame and Southie <laughs> smoothie. No, so I slid it over there, and and you know, she owned a condo already, and she bought it as an affordable unit because she was out of college. She wasn't making a ton of dough. Her income was lined up far perfect, and that's great. It gave her a chip in the real estate game that allowed her to stay in the city. But she's an exception. Like you yeah. know, like not I think a lot, a lot of, people... of the people moving in now, their parents are paying for it because oh, that's the only way. If you're 24 years old, there's no way oh. you can afford it yourself. I get like four, four or five kids. The it's like my front, the like the front of my house is actually I could see the back of one of the streets in Southie. So like you know, a lot of people park on the back of the house and. These like five or six, and they got out of state plates. They still haven't like registered lo- locally yet. Mm-hmm. They're like eating up spots. It's like, man, like this is the stuff that like drove my father crazy for years. And and like I know the landlord. He's like, I get a check from their parents every like every month. Like mm-hmm. their parents pay the rent, and these kids are like. You know, I mean, hey, it's nice. I mean, I, I wish my parents could have paid my rent too when I was that age. So it would, you know, get whatever if it works for you. But like, yeah, they live in here. They don't even register their goddamn cars here. And, they, yeah. you know, they're not even paying their rent either. <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, it's a small thing, but I, I hate how, how cleaned up they've done it around the garden. Like, to me, that was like the perfect dumpy spot, the, the train overhead. It was like, just a pure piece of, of crap area, and it was, it's nice to have those. And now they, they cleaned it up, they got rid of the, the, the train, and now they're making it like Las Vegas. You've seen those plans, what, what they're going to build up there. And it's like, the, 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 like, you need a dumpy spot to walk through from time to time, and you can't find one anymore, which I guess is a good thing, but just there's something inside of you that just says, like, this, this sucks. Yeah, it takes a little bit of the character away. I right. mean, no, you know, you, you didn't like to get dripped on by whatever was dripping from the tea <laughs> above you, but, like, you know, I mean, Sapati, I guess, misses that. Maybe, like, yeah, it wouldn't be the worst to get dripped on one more time yeah. by some mystery liquid. But I know what I, what it stinks, like, when they demolish whatever, there was a period of time for about six to eight months, maybe, where you can stand where, um, the the Lenny Zake and Bunker Hill bridge goes into the ground. You could stand right there and look, and you could see clear across town. It was beautiful. It was like, wow, look at this view. And then all of a sudden, you know, boom, another building went up, you know, yeah. six, eight months later. I thought we were going to have this, like, nice view because it actually, you could actually follow the track of the big dig, you know, until almost practically the Salt Station. It would have been nice to have, but... No, you know it's like another you know another building of re- the mid the typical mix of retail housing and business and right you know like I said it's just when you're going against market forces man uh, and there's no sign of a bubble I mean like I said I I bought my the house we live in now we bought it as a home, for a home we didn't buy it as an investment well. You bet, you bet your ass it's an investment now. I mean, yeah. it, it, the value has gone up. I mean, it's not doubled yet, but it's it's gone up ridiculously in the nine years since we've gone in. And it's like, oh, wow, this is going to be our retirement in this thing. And it's like, okay, we're not, you know, we're not going anywhere soon. But at the same time, it's like, you know, how much longer can this go on? But, I mean, they're, they're literally, literally building new neighborhoods right now. I mean, the, what's it, the Washington Square project? They're calling it down between, like, Dorchester Rev, insult, like, the Dorchester Rev and Salty and, like, Old Colony, kind of where the Iron Workers uh, facility there is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, have you, I don't know if you've seen it. It's huge. It's like, I mean, it's like basically like making a whole neighborhood and just slapping it down there. And they're doing, the, doing that there. And I mean, probably all sold out before it was even constructed. Yeah. It, it's, it's absolutely insane what, like, what they're doing. So, you know, there's no signs of it slowing down. So, I mean, I'm not worried about like oh, the bubble burst. And I mean, obviously, it could happen. I don't think it will because the last time it happened, it was all sham mortgages. If you yeah. saw the big short, you, you know. It was a good movie. I didn't know what was going on maybe a quarter of the time, but it was a good movie. Yeah. By they the end, good, I was like, okay, I think I get most of it. They did a good job of dialing it down for, for dummies like me, yeah, too, and who, me. who don't understand the finance things too too well. Something we should have done in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, dude, I don't, I don't know if I ever would have been good with the finance stuff. It was uh, not my cup of tea. Well, I got to be honest. Uh, I, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts. I've listened to you on a lot of the Barstool things. I didn't know you could talk this long with so few swears. I am <laughs> impressed. It's a bleeping miracle. <laughs> it is. I think I got one. I got one on my list. So that's an amazing. And not, you know, before you go, not to make you do, you know, do 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 uh, tricks like a dog here. It's all right. I got a little inside info from your uh, producer last night. Ran into him, Mikey Grinelli. Mikey. Told me, he told me I got to ask you. He said you did this on a road trip. You can name every Stanley Cup winner since 1967 or thereabouts. Yeah. Is this true? Uh yeah. How's that? How's that? I mean, can we get it? Can we get a little sample sure. here? Sure. 67 Toronto Maple Leafs, 68 69 Montreal, 70 Boston, 71 Montreal, 72 Boston, 73 Montreal, 74 75 Philadelphia, 76 77 and 78 and 79 Montreal. 
80, 81, 82, 83, the Islanders. 84, 85, Edmonton. 86, Montreal. 87, 88, Edmonton. 89, Calgary. 90, um, let me use one second here. I know it. 90, Edmonton. Duh. 91, 92. Hold on. 91, 92, Pittsburgh. 93, Montreal. They beat the Kings that year. 94, the Rangers. 95, the Devils. 96, the Avalanche. 97 and 98, the Red Wings. 99, um, the Stars. 2000, the Devils. 2001, the Avalanche. 2002, the Red Wings. 2003, the Devils. 2004, the Lightning. Uh, 2004. Five does the yeah Batman no 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 cop two thousand six <laughs> Carolina two thousand seven Anaheim two thousand eight Detroit two thousand nine Pittsburgh two thousand ten Chicago two thousand eleven Bruins woo woo two thousand twelve the Kings two thousand thirteen the Red Wings I'm sorry the Red the Blackhawks though I'm I'm trying to black that out that memory <laughs> out two thousand thirteen obviously Anyone the, Black but the Blackhawks two thousand fourteen uh, the Kings. Wait, no, 2014. Did I do the Kings? No, the Kings won it in, uh, hold on. Let me get this, 13. I just Uh-oh. said the Kings. Hold on. I said the Kings in 12. Okay, yeah, Kings again in 14. 2015, it's funny. The closer it gets, the yeah. worse they get. 2015 was, uh, I mean, let me count back, 17 and 16, Penguins, Penguins, 15. Um, oh, my God, this is the worst. 14, King, hold on. This is the, I can't believe this. I'm actually brain farting on, on two years ago because the, Oh my God! This is awful radio. This is terrible radio right now. But but I'm 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 legit brain fired. I don't want I don't want to hit. Ask me something else. I'll I'll get right back to it. All right. Well, I guess the, <laughs> the last thing I, I mean, because you're still a Bruins fan. Yeah. But you're not. You're never. You're never the sky is falling type. Even when the season ends, you usually write a blog that says like, yeah, you know, my day started and I woke up and things moved on. How have you maintained that that fandom? And and how would you say? I mean. Because I I know how much those tickets cost. I know it's an investment now. It's not like a, a hobby. It's it's a it's a life investment. What uh you know how how does how do you maintain that fandom and and does it affect you know what you do either with the podcast or the blog? You know the older I get, Mike, the easier it gets. I think life has a way of like prioritizing things for you. And I mean, me personally, I don't have kids, so I don't have them to like measure things against like you know priority wise, but. It, to me, it's just a game. You know, it's always just been a game to me. Um, as far as like uh, not getting carried away, and the, the reference I wrote about, it, I mentioned it before, is after the 2004 World Series. This is kind of like the story I always tell. Is you know, you know, I was in New York for Game Seven when the uh, Red Sox completed the comeback. I was in St. Louis a week later when they won the when they won the cup. I'm the cup. <laughs> the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the World Series. My got brain damage. Yeah, I really it, ruined you with that. Yeah, you did. I know. I'm, it's killing me right now. So. um you know, I remember like a week later how euphoric it was in St. Louis and like, wow, this is incredible. The Sox won the series. And then like a week later I was at work and I was like, okay, you know, I'm on a few bucks, but nothing's really like fundamentally changed anything here. You know what I mean? Like nothing, nothing's new from like, you know, my life's the same. It's yeah. like, and, and so like when my teams lose, like in 2013, that's why I kind of share that story when the Bruins like lost that in that fashion. It's like, hey, you know what? Like. Life didn't get that much better when they win. I mean, those guys make money, and yeah, if you put some money on them, you're going to make some money as well. But ultimately, when they when the highs aren't really that high, so therefore you can't have the lows be that low. So I just like, yeah, I mean, I love the team, I love rooting for them. But if you know this season ends, all whatever, man, I'm st- I still got to go to work forty hours a week and right. still got to pay the bills, and it's just like about really just keeping perspective. You know what I mean? I think there could be a whole book written about what that '04 playoff run for the Red Sox did for sort of the the psyche of the New England sports fan because it was like the holy grail, the, the the perpetual quest, and then once it was reached, I don't think anything meant anything after that. It it, it, it took a lot of meaning out of the whole quest. Yeah, it's and it is. It's kind of like um like a dog chasing a cow. What's he gonna finally do when he catches yeah. it? You know, I think there's a little bit of that element too. So I like, think the Bruins winning in eleven was a little bit. Sorry, I broke the microphone. No, I did, I did that. I think the uh, the Bruins winning in eleven was a little bit along those lines because I, I honestly didn't think they'd ever win in my lifetime. I thought it was you know they'd be the at best you know they'd get there and maybe flirt with a little bit, but I, I really didn't think they would actually reach that hump. See, I 
I never had that feeling. I mean, I know it's popular and, and with good reason to still pick on the Jacobses in this town. But, you know, contrary to popular belief, he had spending, been spending to the cap since, you know, like the late 90s. It was always like, you know, at least from my eyes, he was trying to win. I mean, how that money was spent, you can argue with. But, yeah. you know, as far as actually spending it, they were, they were trying to spend. I mean, they were, they were spending what they could. They were. I mean, he clamored for the cap. He got his cap. And then he kind of backed up what he, you know, what he said. Like, I'm, I'll spend up to it. And he did. So I, I never really thought, oh, they're never going to win it as long as, as long as Jacob is dealing. That was just kind of a lazy tack to take. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I never really bought, bought into that much as, at all, really. All right. Well. You want to take your uh, last stab at yeah, 15? Yeah, I do. All right, give me... It's I, not I'll, a hint. I'll just say you know it. Just I, stop I know, thinking about it. I know it. I do know it. I'm just, just stop thinking about it. All right. Uh, to, uh, it's a black... Wait, the, did I say the Blackhawks twice already or three times? You said it twice. Twice. Okay, so there it's a Blackhawks. There you go. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right, I, yeah, you all right know. so Blackhawks 15, because I always get them in LA. I know, like, I know the Bruins won the one in between, so all right. Well, I'll yeah, tell you. It maybe wasn't the best radio, but watching you... Tap into some resource. It's like a file cabinet locked deep in the brain. That was something to see. So I'm going to try to hopefully, hopefully that comes through the microphone. Thank you. Yeah, I, I know it's funny, man. The later they get, it's like doesn't make sense. They should be easier. But yeah, all right, good. I, I didn't, I didn't have to cheat at all. Yeah. All right. Well, you got the podcast. Hockey season starting in what? Uh, I mean, the preseason already started. Yeah. Regular two, season two. I think it's two weeks from uh, Thursday, right? No, yeah. it's like it's like October seventh, maybe it's October sixth. Yeah. Cause there you go. Um, yeah, I think it's two weeks from this Thursday. I'm terrible right. at math, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we hopefully getting a, trying to work on a really big guest for the first week of uh, the Bruins season. Uh, I don't. I don't. We, the one thing on it with the, with spitting chickens, we don't like to say who the guest is because there have been instances where you know crap happens. Yeah, and, and then you, know, you don't the want that guy getting crap uh, it, saying why didn't you show up exactly. and things like that. So, so I, we, I real I recognize yeah. that one. Um, so you know, good luck with that. Get you got to the way that the people go to Barstool headquarters to shoot. Street hockey balls at Portnoy. You got to get them to just come to your living room every time they're in Boston. I think that's that that'll become part of the NHL routine. And yeah, I think I, I'm not even joking. I mean, there, there's so little palatable hockey content out there that I think you gotta you you can you can make that work. Yeah, I mean, you look on iTunes and there's very few. I mean, if you take Wachinski out, there's like no podcasts yeah. out there. I mean, there's. You know, there's one, there's some a guy, I guess he fought in the 80s, he has one, you know, him and his son tell some stories or whatever, but, and I think my buddy Pete Blackburn, I believe he's starting one now with, he's signed with CBS, yeah. but yeah, there's a, a dearth of hockey talk out there, and hey man, I would love nothing more than to have like, every time the, an NHL team comes to town, to have one guy like, wanting to come in my living room to shoot the breeze for 45 minutes, man, that that's an honor to me, you know? Well, you're on your way. Thanks, buddy. All right, thank you. All right, Mikey, you take care, pal. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I don't know how it translated listening to a man think off the top of his head every Stanley Cup champion since 1967. But witnessing it in person, it was impressive. I, I swear to you, he had no, no, nothing. He didn't even have his eyes open, so there was no way to cheat unless he wrote it on the back of his eyelids. So that was, that was impressive. I, I don't care. I liked it. My podcast, I put it on. Thanks to Rear Admiral for coming on. I hope uh, he kept you entertained. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Rear Ad B's blog. I should have talked to him about that. Not the cleanest Twitter handle. Not the easiest promotion right there. But Rear Ad B's blog is the one. You're going to want to find him there. Uh, thank you for listening. There was a, a longer chat. We went a little long. You're still here, so I appreciate that. And that means you're a diehard listener, which means I hope by now you're subscribed. Maybe wrote a nice review on iTunes. Checked it out. Uh, maybe told your friend, your enemies, your family, your cousins, your nephews, your nieces, that guy you kind of sit next to at work and never really talk to but seems okay. You know, spread the word. I do appreciate it. I do appreciate listening. And guess what? I'll be back again next week for three and three weeks. The Hurley Edition, a regular podcast on the internet. We're doing it. Bye.